sometimes when it feels like someone is rejecting you, God might just be protecting you from a situation that isn't right for you. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 189. Today, we're going to talk about how to pray when you feel rejected. You're listening to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you've tuned in to listen today. I really appreciate you being here. I've got a question for you. Have you ever felt rejected? It can be a pretty lousy feeling. I've been hearing from people lately who have been rejected in one way or another. For some, it's been rejection by a family member or someone at school or not getting the promotion at work they'd hoped for. I have several friends who have been rejected by their churches because they were misunderstood and misjudged or sometimes because they disagreed with the pastor on some important topic. There are all kinds of rejection, and it happens all the time, unfortunately. Some situations are not as significant as others, but sometimes a rejection or a series of rejections can cut right into your sense of self-worth. I can remember the first time I felt totally rejected, and it really messed me up. I was in second grade, and there was a girl in class that I liked. We passed notes sometimes to each other when the teacher wasn't looking, and every day during recess, we'd play together on the playground on the teeter-totter. This went on for several weeks or months. I don't really remember for sure. I thought we were such good friends. But one day, out of the blue, she told me she didn't want to play with me anymore. That day at recess? She was on the teeter-totter with someone else. I was so hurt. I was devastated. I felt rejected and miserable, and I was mad. I didn't know how to process the situation, so I stomped around the playground snorting, and obviously I was very upset. Well, some other friends from class came over and asked if there was anything wrong, and I said, no. They asked if I wanted to play with them, and I said, no. Well, of course. There was something wrong, and way down deep, I did want to play with them, but I didn't even know how to say that. Now, somehow, I survived that ordeal, and it seems very small and insignificant in comparison to other situations I've been in or that you may have had, but that particular day, at that time in my life, it felt like the end of the world, and I don't think I even ever told anybody about it. Now, I'm not going to bore you with all the other times I have been rejected in my life, and just let me say, though, 
There have been just as many times when I have not been rejected. But learning to deal with rejection has been a really important part of discovering who I am as a child of God, or to put it another way, discovering my identity in Christ. And hearing recently from other folks who have felt rejected got me curious about what the Bible has to say about being rejected. Well, as I was thinking about it, actually the first person I thought of was Eliab, Jesse's oldest son, and then all the other sons of Jesse, well, except David, of course. Each of these young men was passed over when Samuel had come to anoint a new king in Israel. This is in 1 Samuel 16, verse 10. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything directly about how these seven men dealt with the fact that they had not been selected to be king. Were they jealous of David? Or maybe they were relieved that it was not them. Or were they honored that their youngest brother was chosen? Now, there is a clue about how Eliab felt about it. Jesse sent David to take some food to Eliab and the next two oldest brothers who had gone to be in King Saul's army. While he was there, Goliath taunted the army of Israel. David was talking to some of the soldiers about it and asked what would happen to the man who defeated Goliath. Eliab didn't like the way David was acting. This is in 1 Samuel 17, 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Well, it's pretty clear how Eliab feels about his baby brother. Yes, the very one who was just anointed by Samuel and whose heart God apparently approved of. Eliab ridicules David. He rebukes him for abandoning his few and apparently insignificant sheep, which of course wasn't true. In 1 Samuel 17.20, it says that David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. Eliab insults David and totally misjudges his character. Or perhaps he's accusing David and projecting on him the attitudes and motives in his own heart. Well, it's pretty easy to read between the lines here and see how Eliab was dealing with rejection with not being the one selected to be king. I think it's safe to say he may have thought he would have made a much better king than David. Now, to be sure, David made his share of mistakes as king, but think of the mistakes Eliab might have made as king. Eliab is not the model to follow in dealing with rejection. This is an example of being rejected because you're not right for the job. But sometimes we're rejected because someone is jealous of us in some way. And here's where I think of Hagar Sarah's Egyptian slave. Sarah becomes jealous of Hagar for all kinds of reasons. Once Sarah's son Isaac is born, she demands that Abraham send Hagar away. 
Can you imagine how Hagar must have felt as she was forced to leave her familiar surroundings? She had no idea where she would go, and it wasn't long until the little food and water she had were gone. Talk about feeling rejected. But the beautiful thing in this story is that Hagar was never abandoned by God. An angel appeared to her and made it crystal clear that God would help her and her son Ishmael. Now, you can read the whole story in Genesis chapter 21, starting verse 9. When you feel rejected by someone, think of Hagar and be receptive to God's angels. People may reject you for whatever reason, but God will never reject you, even if you've made terrible mistakes. Now, it may seem like God rejected Eliab, and he did reject Eliab for the role of king. But if Eliab's heart had been more in tune with God, he would have discerned what God was appointing him to do. Another reason we are sometimes rejected is because we're doing what's right, and those in charge don't like it. When you speak truth to power, the folks in power usually defend their position and try to get rid of you. The prophet Elijah is a really good example of this. Elijah was working hard to hold up the light of God's ways in the spiritual darkness of his day. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were disobeying God and breaking his covenant with Israel with almost every step they took, and many of the people were following them. Elijah had just made a powerful display of God's nature as the only true God by calling down fire from heaven to burn up a sacrifice, which Baal, the god of the people, could not do for obvious reasons. He wasn't really a god. And then, after Elijah killed all the false prophets of Baal, Jezebel threatened him. Elijah had shown the supremacy of God over Baal. The people were impressed and easily swayed, but Jezebel said she would kill Elijah if he stayed there. So he fled. It's one thing to be rejected when you're not right for a job, like Eliab, but to be rejected when you're obeying God and proving that God's way is the right path, it's much harder to deal with. Elijah was in despair and basically asked God to take away his life. He felt alone, rejected, misunderstood, and falsely judged. But in that moment of supreme despair, Something shifted. God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice and reassured him that he was not alone. That's 1 Kings 19.12. You can read this whole story in 1 Kings chapter 19. This story of Elijah kind of reminds me of one of Jesus' Beatitudes. This is in Matthew 5, 11, and 12. Jesus says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Well, Elijah was certainly proof of that. Have you ever felt like you were in a situation similar to Elijah's? I certainly have, several times. Well, not to that degree, of course, but it's still hard to deal with. Unfortunately, it's not all that unusual 
when you're doing something right, when you're following God to the best of your ability, and you're misunderstood, your motives are misjudged, and eventually you're rejected. But Jesus promises in the Beatitude that a great reward awaits us in heaven when this happens. That doesn't mean your reward is way off in the future after you die. Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here and now. It's within us. Check out Matthew 4.17 and Luke 17.21. Because heaven is at hand, your reward is at hand as well. Why does Jesus say we should be happy and rejoice when we're persecuted? Doesn't that seem a bit counterintuitive to respond this way? Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know from experience, for example, when I was passed over three or four times for a promotion in my first job out of college. The first time I felt totally rejected, misunderstood, and unappreciated, which to some degree was true. But as I prayed about it each time this happened, I got a better sense of who I was as a child of God and what God's will for me was. Each time I was passed over for a promotion, it forced me to turn to God in ways I had never done before. And that was such a blessing. Each time this happened, I got a little better at trusting God to lead me and letting go of my preconceptions of how my life should be. But I also realized I needed to love and forgive the ones who had rejected me. But looking back at this series of rejections, I can see that it wasn't so much me being rejected by them as it was God leading me in a different direction. This is a really important point. Sometimes when it feels like someone is rejecting you, God might just be protecting you from a situation that isn't right for you, even if it looks like it is. And God has something much better in store for you. I want to come back to something I mentioned earlier. I'll pose it as a question. Does God ever reject us? There are times in the Bible that, at first glance, seem to imply that God rejects certain people at certain times. For example, before Samuel anoints David as king, God has a clear message to Samuel about King Saul. This is 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. We've already talked about that. It sounds like God is rejecting Saul. But let's go a little deeper here. God rejects Saul from being king because his heart was no longer in the right place. God was rejecting Saul's motives, attitudes, and disobedience. If Saul had honestly and earnestly changed his way of thinking and acting to be in line with God's will, there would have been no need for someone else to become king. There are other places in the Bible where God rejects the children of Israel's material ways of thinking and acting not to mention their disobedience to God's laws. But actually, it was the children of Israel who rejected God. The prophet Jeremiah felt this to the core of his being. 
He repeatedly tried to warn Israel of the consequences of their ungodlike actions, but they wouldn't listen. They rejected God's ways, and they rejected Jeremiah's warnings. Just for a moment, put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes and imagine how disheartening it must have been to be commissioned by God to warn the people and then have your message rejected. When Israel was conquered by Babylon and the Israelites were carried into captivity, they probably felt abandoned and rejected by God, but it was actually the other way around. As I said, they were just projecting their own rejection of God back on him. But God was not rejecting them. Disciplining them? Yes. He was rejecting their wicked ways of living. But he never quit loving the Israelites, and eventually they returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and the city wall. Probably the most obvious example in the Bible of someone being rejected is Jesus. Think of all he did to share God's love and the message of salvation with people. But in spite of all the good he did, the religious leaders of his day rejected him and his message, and they didn't begin to realize that they had rejected him as the Messiah, whom they thought they were waiting for. It's interesting that one of the prophecies in the Old Testament actually predicted that the Messiah would be rejected. This is Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Jesus knew he would be rejected, but that didn't stop him from going forward with what God anointed him to do. He was faithful to his purpose, regardless of how others approved or disapproved of him. That's a really good example for you and me. So what can you and I learn from all these folks in the Bible about how to deal with being rejected? Let's come back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago, the beatitude about how to respond when you're persecuted and maligned. Jesus said, Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. As I said, this seems a little bit counterintuitive, but actually it reminds me of something Jesus said to the 70 disciples who came back from a preaching assignment Jesus had given them. They told Jesus about all the healing they had done while preaching, and they were pretty excited about it and rejoicing. But Jesus put things in a different perspective. This is Luke 10, 20. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Jesus is really saying, whether you've been ridiculed and rejected for whatever reason, or you've had great success in your ministry and been accepted and praised by people, the important thing to remember is that your name is registered in heaven. Your identity is secure in the kingdom of heaven, which is present here and now. Jesus was always reminding us that we need to keep our focus on the kingdom of heaven. So that's really the most important thing to keep in mind when you feel rejected, that your name is written or registered in heaven. Even when people do reject you, that cannot erase your name from heaven. That's really pretty comforting when you think about it. And when you've been rejected, the attitude you bring to the situation is more important than the rejection itself. 
If you've been rejected because you're not the right person for a particular job or activity, be humble about it. Maybe there are some lessons you need to learn, some things you need to deal with in your own life. Maybe God has something better for you. Maybe the folks making the decision misjudged you or honestly thought someone else would be better. Whatever the situation is, try not to take it personally. Now, I know that's easy to say, but when you realize there's a bigger picture and that God is working in ways you might not see, it's easier to trust God to show you how to go forward for what God is calling you to do and not be discouraged by what others say or do to you. And however hard it may seem, pray to love and forgive those who have rejected you. In fact, take it the next step and bless them. Pray for them to feel more of God's presence in their lives. Jesus, as always, sets the supreme example. On the cross, his simple prayer was, this is Luke twenty-three twenty-four: Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And what he taught his listeners in the Sermon on the Mount, he is still teaching you and me today. Matthew 5.44 Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. When you respond this way, when people reject you, you're embracing the mindset of Jesus, which is what the Bible Speaks to You podcast is all about. One thing I've noticed is that sometimes the human mind feels a sense of rejection even before a particular incident occurs. If you have what I'll call a rejection mindset, you may feel rejected by people or God even when you're not. This is a time to surrender that feeling and know God loves you and is always ready and willing to help. What God rejects are the thoughts and actions unlike Him. But God never rejects you. He sees through all the layers of wrongdoing and thinking to the way he originally created you in his image and likeness. The more you can see yourself in this way as a child of God, always loved by God and included in the kingdom of heaven, which, I'll repeat, is right here and right now, the less you'll be affected by someone rejecting you you'll get to the point where you realize it's more important to love and obey God than to have the approval and acceptance of people. And sometimes being rejected is actually proof that you're obeying God's will. The next time you feel rejected or remember a time when you felt that way in the past, think about some of these folks in the Bible we've been talking about. Ask God to show you the bigger picture of what He's doing. Ask for more grace to deal lovingly with those who have rejected you. But most importantly, ask God for guidance and inspiration to do what God has called you to do. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. I just want to let you know that in the last couple of months, there are a lot of new listeners to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Some of you have been listening since the very first episode, And I am so grateful. But if you're new to the podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. And I have a favor to ask. Would you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app of your choice? 
This helps people find the podcast who are looking for spiritual answers to the challenges in their lives. I'll have a link to Apple Podcasts in the show notes on my website, as well as in the description if you're listening on a podcast app. Just click the link and then click Reviews. Give it a rating, one through five stars, hopefully a five star, and then write something out. Let people know how the Bible Speaks to You podcast has been helpful. If you haven't signed up for email notifications yet, I encourage you to do so. That way, every time a new episode is released, you'll get an email. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. When you sign up, I'll send you a prayer guide that I put together called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you'd like to check out all the Bible quotes in this episode, go to the show notes for today, thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 189. This is episode 189. I want to thank you for being here and listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and all the other ways that you've been supportive. I am so, so grateful. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care. And we'll see you next time. God bless.